Julia Adolph, and welcome to Loose Leaf Notebook, where we will explore the connection between creativity and mental health, nurturing artistry, emotional intelligence, and self-care. I'm a composer, and I will be sharing my own personal creative process and journey towards mental health, as well as inviting other artists and creative individuals to share their own inspiring stories with you. Today I am joined by composer and violinist Jesse Montgomery. Jesse's music has been commissioned by the New York Philharmonic, National Symphony, Sphinx Organization, and Metropolitan Museum of Art, just to name a few. And in September of this year, she became one of the first women and composers of color to be commissioned by the Metropolitan Opera. Jessie shares how she has essentially changed her creative process in reaction partially to the pandemic and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and is really inviting more of a sense of creative play and joy into her work as well as improvisation. Hi, Jessie. Hi. Hi, Julia. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good, you know, considering uh, everything, but I'm, yeah, doing, doing okay. I woke up this morning and I started having like, I think this happens every time I have a, an upcoming deadline. I get those, do you get those like pangs of, of like anxiety? It's like, ah, like jolts yeah. you out of bed. <laughs> uh, that, I've had that. <laughs> the past yeah. couple of days. I saw your name in the article about from the Met Opera yesterday. So that right. was really exciting. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it is very exciting. Um, yeah, the, so myself along with uh, Joel Thompson and Valerie Coleman are going to be um, the composers that are going to be part of their new works program, um, new works commissioning program that's, you know, between the Met and Lincoln Center. Um, and they're going to help the three of us um, create workshop, uh, basically workshop um, premieres um, of, of operas that we're working on. So um, it's exciting for us, exciting, I think it's exciting for the Met too, mm -hmm. um, to have that happening. and. Um, and especially like just among all the other programming and other, you know, union musician contract madness that's going on and, you know, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a bright, a bright light. So this is an opera you were already working on? Yes. Yeah. The opera idea that I've been, uh, working with recently as a, a personal, uh, store, a personal sort of recounting of my great grandfather's life who was a he was a buffalo soldier um and not very many people know the history of buffalo soldiers they are black military uh men who uh were who during the spanish-american war they fought a lot of the native americans and so they got that's where they got the name buffalo soldiers that were oh. given you know there's a few different kinds of lore around where the mm -hmm. name came from um but so it's a fascinating, um, complex part of our yeah. history. The text and the sort of I and the ideas and the the guts of the material are going to come from actually from my mom, um, okay. who's a playwright and and also has told this story in her own way and other plays of hers. So is this your first opera? Yeah, um, technically yes. So you're starting with the Met. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, stakes keep the stakes really low, you know. Are you one of the first women to be commissioned? Yes. Yeah. yeah and by black, the, yeah. black composer, woman, everything. Um, they have Missy, Missy's writing an opera right. for the men. I think that's their first official commission by women. You know, they're hiring uh, three young, you know, three composers to, black composers to write these pieces. And I think, um, well, in my case, I'm certainly telling a story that is an African-American story, but is also a universally American story, which is kind of what I'm getting at. It will include, you know, mostly black cast. And I think in the, I, I don't know what the others are, playing to create, but there's a potential for that kind of um, um, participation. It'll like sort of help kind of stir the pot a little bit more. Yeah. So that's good. How does that feel like <laughs> in yeah. the midst of this time period um, to have such exciting news um, mm -hmm. and to have that kind of responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's big. I think for a lot of organizations and a lot of uh, a lot of artists, you know, hoping that this time is a time that's going to um, sort of the work that's happening now is going to be generative, like for a long period of time, you know, that sort of creates a stream um, that's long lasting. That's the hope. I'm not talking about just just the men. I'm talking about yeah. in any other any case, you know, within schools or then any kinds of institutions that I'm involved in. It's like it feels like a big responsibility, but it feels like a shared responsibility, you know? Sure. So that's good. I mean, that's, that's, you know, just have to keep reminding each other that that's what's happening. <laughs> right. That you, you know, have colleagues and friends who are mm -hmm. like Valley yeah. Coleman. Exactly. Yeah. And having, having them sort of work. Um, Valerie said we're, that we're siblings, opera, si opera siblings. Yeah, <laughs> I said, okay, that's on period. <laughs> I'd love to hear kind of how you've been doing these past six months, whatever you want to share. Um, yeah. It's been a, a lot that's happened. So, and a lot that's happened for you. People know you and know your music, um, but you've also mm. been getting a lot of, I would imagine, requests, yeah. new invitations. So I just yeah. love to hear what's going on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. I mean, so, you know, in the beginning, it, you know, with the start of this whole mess, you know, we had, I had a family emergency and we were dealing with that while the pandemic was happening and everyone happy to say everyone's healthy and fine now, but it was a dramatic and dramatic does not begin to, it was, it threw my whole life upside down really for a couple of months. Um, and uh so then there was like the the getting out of that which took another few months of <laughs> uh, just realizing uh the magnitude of everything and then you know yeah and um and i've you know i've been as we've talked you know i've been i've been watching your your interviews and i found a lot of comfort in in them and hearing about um how you were managing create you know your creative impulses and like like trying to reconnect with with that in a different way and i found that to be very inspiring and helpful um to realize that it was actually 
a thing that was happening that was like physically happening to me <laughs> that my you know that why why wasn't I able to do what I want to do you know yeah. um um and then and then you know going through that process and then coming out out in some way so that I could actually work you know there's some benefits right to this weird time mm -hmm. um for me creatively I think that meant um that meant get sort of starting to get rid of um ex uh external expectations that are, you know, imagined in terms of not just in terms of how I, how much I execute or how well I execute my music or whatever, but also the, the style of my, my approach and also the, the material itself, starting fresh and trying to play more and play, like play around with stuff and play around with my gear and, um, you know, just write in a different way. I'm I'm playing now, I play into logic and I just like improvise more. I'm using more of my improvisation exercises to come up with material and like not feeling like I'm not being like, you know, hard enough, you know? <laughs> like I want it to feel fun in some way. And if that's how I have to do it, then that's how I'm going to do it. Because, you know, we, we just, we have all these, we're trained like that there's with so many rules. Right. Um, and then if you're not following them, you're not serious or something. So getting, trying to get rid of that, um, has been, it's just, that's an ongoing process basically. Um, yeah. now and it's actually, I'm just like glad it's actually happening. And I think it's because of this time, you know, last year was really hard, uh, deadlines wise yeah. and managing my touring schedule and school. And cause I'm also getting my PhD at Princeton right now. And so it was like, everything was crazy. And, you know, actually writing felt really burdensome. Right. the actual act of writing yeah. so um learning to like like trying to sort of unlearn that has been it's been a really good opportunity to sort of to yeah unlearn that in a way mm -hmm. so you're saying you you've actually freed up uh your style or just your approach to writing or both um i think both Okay. Because there's some projects that I have that are not, that I wouldn't like hand, hand over to an orchestra, for example. Um, it's stuff that I, um, well, anyway, it's a, it's a project for a band that I have. So it'll be a combo of like written and improvised and kind of, yeah, multiple styles of Yeah. Influence. What's the instrumentation of the band? So it'll be four string players plus rhythm section mm -hmm. and um, and the wind players, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the balance, right balance is gonna be. I mean, I think it's gonna still have like the, an arty feel <laughs> for lack of a better, sure, but yeah. you know, but maybe, I don't know, we'll see what comes out of it. It's sort of like, I don't, there's certain elements about it that I like haven't discovered yet. Do you usually write on the violin when you're composing? Historically, yes. Um, another, that's another thing I've changed recently. I've been mostly writing at the keyboard and or just scribbling stuff out in manuscript and then recording it. But I do, I do a fair amount of writing on the violin, but I have found that like, um, 
you know, it can really influence, which I think is both good and bad, um, but it can influence like the style of what I'm doing musically, right? Just to, you know, it can sound very really violin-y. And then I find I'm writing a lot of pieces with like open G strings all the time. Or, like everything I write, it's like based around G. <laughs> and I'm like, like, oops, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've been stretching that out a little bit more and incorporating more writing um, just at the keyboard and thinking more harmonically. Like I know that going for like any kind of hunch that I might've had and been intimidated by or like, oh, I don't know enough about that. So I'm not gonna do it like, which is like the worst thing you can do as a creator. <laughs> um, so it's like the thing that you're, I'm most drawn to is har harmony really. And so I've been working on that uh, more, trying to name the chords, like actually theorize them. Because um, mm -hmm. instead of always just going by ear. Can mm -hmm. you explain a little more what you mean by there were certain, um... Are you talking about techniques or that were intimidating? Many times I've had the thought pattern that goes, here's this chord that I want to hear or play, but I don't know what it is. And that's terrible. Why don't I know what it is? I like suck and then like throw everything <laughs> off the table and like leave it alone and, and like go on to something else. You're hearing harmonies that are like, are they crunchier or they're like more dissonant than what you would normally be able to theorize immediately? Yeah, they're actually not even, it's not even crunchy. I think it's more, it might be like for based, like based on more on like jazz harmony. And I'm, okay. I only mean that in terms of like how the extensions are stacked. Sure. And there's a certain like order of extensions that I think I'm, that I think I'm hearing that I just don't know where they are. Do you think this is because you're hearing more of a jazz, more jazz harmonic influences and you did not study those in school? Y yeah. Okay. Yeah, it could be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And I've also, and I've also, I mean, we're talking about like, oh gosh, like tearing down the, like decolonizing classical music and all that stuff and, you know, decolonizing our minds. I mean, literally, that's what's happened. Like, I feel like I went, there was a point where I was like, it's okay if you like jazz harmony. Like, it's great if you like, it's, it's, I keep doing that. Like, and whereas before I tell myself, well, I don't know. It's like, I want to go there. And also, but it, I realize it's also about an insecurity of not knowing something. And you feel like we're taught, I mean, we just like go through this thing where it's like, well, if I don't know it, then you get all like, well, you know, defensive about not knowing stuff. So why would I prevent myself from, you know, um, exploring a language that is attractive to me, you know, and also part of my history um, in so many ways, so. Yeah, I mean- It's, it's complicated. Kind of, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you're talking about trying to like not be pigeonholed as, you know, a jazz composer that maybe won't then fit into the classical music world, but right. also not feeling like you fit into the jazz world because that's not right. your background. Yeah, that's not my training. Yeah, and I, I don't even feel com comfortable using the word jazz as sure. any identifier because it's not actually, it's so, it's sort of like so, it's like a big cloud 
right now in my, you know, <laughs> it's, it's more vape, vaporous, you know, um, um, which is nice. I mean, I sort of like that because then it sort of keeps things flexible and I can um, play around. Again, it's like about being playful. I feel like we need to like feel free to be play, playful with yeah. things. Yeah. Well, and also like, why do you need to know why you like those chords or how those chords function? Like, is it enough yeah. that you just hear them? Yeah. Do you have to know why they work? Does that help you in your process? I, I, I think there is an element that of like re-theorizing like my own pieces. I don't know if you have, do you ever do that? Like, I mean, no, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just like, there's something about that that I find interesting. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's not, but I, but I also am super aware that it actually, it, 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 even just taking the time to do it takes me away from a different kind of process. I would imagine it gives you certain power and control when you yeah. do really understand your harmonic language. Yeah. And how do you think about harmony? I think mostly about voice leading. Gotcha. Um, so I think a lot about, you know, the upper voice and the lower voice and moving in contrary motion. Mm -hmm. And then it's usually just like a lot of, I guess it's bimodal. <laughs> I don't okay. think it's, it's not tonally functional. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of my music is modal and that maybe comes from my Jewish heritage, like this sort of mm. cantoral, cantoral. Mm -hmm. I was, I was just never really mathematical or analytical in my thinking. It, I think it's important for people to know those things because of, because people think that there's certain things you have to know or have, or have practiced, you know, religiously in order to um, um, in order to be like valid in your creativity or in order to like really like that there's something missing if you don't have a right. certain kind of practice. I didn't go to like composer school. Right. You know, so. Um, yeah, me neither. For undergrad, you mean? Or? Yeah. 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 Or before? And, and even, gra I mean, my grad school was film scoring, which was not, comp I mean, was not composer school technically either, but it's <laughs> composing. <laughs> it's still it's composing, but it was like I had this idea about, you know. Anyway, but here yeah. I am. I mean, I'm print at Princeton doing um, doing my work here, and it's also this program is like so um, sort of free and exper experimental, and they encourage a lot of that here. Yeah. So that's also teaching me that like this idea of studying composition is really just about creating a space of like free flowing creativity, yeah. you know, and yeah. discussion and like feedback. Yeah. There's yeah. no right way to do it. Yeah. Right or yeah. Wrong way. So yeah. how do you think you um, were able to connect to this more playful side um, during these past couple of yeah. months? Um, to be honest with you, I watched your show, your, <laughs> one of your, one of your shows and I, and you were talking about your journaling mm -hmm. and I also like to journal a lot. And I, 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 as a kid, I think we talked about this the other day, you, yeah. you know, growing up only child, it's like, you got to figure out ways to 
entertain yourself. And so I did write, I was always, I always had a diary. I always had, you know, I have some from high school that are like pretty scary to look at. Um, yeah. I'm amazed at how complex our brains are <laughs> and how we As get teenagers. through stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, but it was a, it was a necessary tool, um, as a kid and then I realized okay this is maybe you know it's a time to this is a good time to revisit that and I started um yeah just like I create I would I would have a, there was a couple weeks in the summer um where I just had like I would schedule my days the way that they were scheduled during summer camp oh that's so yeah. cool <laughs> so I would get up yeah I get up early and stretch and go outside and take a breath of air and then uh have breakfast and then like i i do like some kind of you know warm-up activity like draw or like listen to music or something simple and then i would work for a few hours and then have lunch and then have rest time yes yeah <laughs> uh quiet time we used to call it quiet time yeah right quiet time for an hour or so um which was like napping or reading or sitting or just doing nothing um and then work again on whatever i wanted to work on in the evening which could be more writing or it could be playing a little bit or it could be it you know some kind of and i sort of learned like at certain points of the day i can create and other parts of the day are better for like receiving information right yeah. Um, so I'm better with receiving it in the evening and creating during the daytime. Um, so yeah. And so I just like, I would schedule my days like that and then cook dinner and yeah. watch a movie and go sleep. And so, and then, you know, so it, that was, that process was like super, um, important. And so, yeah, and that was when I started to sort of have more time, time to think through my hangups and stuff like that I needed to like um, work through and um, um, I was lucky also to have my dad around um, during this time because he is he's a musician too and um, and a composer and really like he plays the saxophone um, and he had been practicing every day for five months he practiced like the same two Charlie Parker solos mm -hmm that he was practicing every day for like hours. And I was like, how do you have that like much capacity and interest, you know? And I'm over here like drudging away, like desperately, like, like procrastinating and whatever. Um, so that was inspiring to see him doing that. And he has always been like my cheerleader, you know? he would give me little advice like during the summer he's like you know why don't you just play it upside down and play turn it backwards you know like basic stuff that's like just all you know just gets the wheels going and gets you active right sometimes yeah. you just need another voice to remind you of things you already know even yeah but just to sort of get yeah. you out of your own head mm-hmm 100 percent I've also been thinking about summer camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> that was absolutely one of the things that I thought about early in the pandemic. Like, I miss summer camp. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
exactly. It's the best. Summer camp is the best. Right? And especially as a New York kid, right? Yes. Like, the, the opportunity to get out of the city, and, like, it became such an important, like, ritual, kind of, like, every summer. I remember, cool. like, being outside in the morning, mm-hmm. being in nature in the morning, and that feeling of, like, I get to make art today. Yeah. And when cool. you're little, or, you know, 11, 12, 13, whatever, mm-hmm that being so exciting and mm-hmm. just like trying to re- reconnect with yep. that feeling mm-hmm. exactly i think we owe it to ourselves to like remember that like to go there we can do that it's just you know having the community around to do it with you when did it become less joyful and playful and more stressful analytical for me that was definitely college college okay. um undergrad um at Juilliard because yeah exactly (laughs) exactly yeah I mean I I had a hard time I had a hard time that was a hard one uh, because I actually had a lot of freedom in high school I was still feeling pretty free and 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 excited during that time um and also really like writing freely um also it was um, and and that was still just like I had only I started composing I guess I was like ten or eleven or something like that so, um, but yeah and then in college I just like stopped writing and then I had this like annoying thing happen at Juilliard where I tried to sign up for composition for non majors um, and I had two theory teachers that were encouraging me to do it because we'd have these little assignments in our theory class like write a courant or write a fugue or write a you know whatever. And they, you know, recognized that there was something there. So I went for it, but then I went in the fall and um, the guy basically, I mean, I was also like a punky kid. I had dreadlocks and I had like big baggy pants and, you know, I kind of had a little bit of an edge to me um, on the exterior. He said on the first day of class, he looked at the classroom and he said, okay, we're going to... have each of you, uh, I'd like to meet with you individually and go over your work. And so I, I was, I think one of the first people to meet with him. And I, I was a little, I was kind of, I was excited, but I was a little nervous because I was like, I wonder what we're going to all be meeting, what we're individual meetings are about. Um, and anyway, essentially he was like, so can I see what music you've been writing? And I, and I said, I, I haven't written anything over the summer. So I was focusing on playing. I wasn't writing over the summer. Yeah. And I just, I showed him my sketchbook um, and he sort of like flipped through it and like, was like, I don't think this class is for you. Why don't you try next year or something like that? And I was like, I was so confused and so shocked and also like not really good at defending myself. Um, You're 19. I was 19. Yeah. Um, and I also had this weird thing of, with authority. I was like very, very obedient around authority, even though I kind of had this weird edgy thing. It was like the whole thing. Sure. Um, but I, I, um, I just kind of took it. I felt like the guy just kind of wrote me off. And um, anyway, it didn't end up hurting me, except to re- recognize that, you know, um, you, you really got to, you know, there's going to be moments where, you have to stand up, you either stand up for yourself or you don't, or, uh, and also moments where you're just, you're a little bit helpless, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, within these institutions and stuff. So, but Derek Rommel 
Derek, Derek, he like plucked me from that situation and um, said, why don't you take uh, Making Score? He was doing the, the program Making Score, which is now um, Young Composers, um, Lincoln Center Younger, Young Composers um, program. And um, yeah, so I would go after, I would go across the street to the ASCAP building and go to his class and that got me back into writing again. Now you're writing for the Met. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so screw you, whoever that teacher yeah. was. You yeah, know? <laughs> I know. I don't think he's with us anymore, to be honest with you, but okay. he was pretty up there. But that's what I love that about about composers too. And and anyone who says they want to compose is like really, you know, there's something already there, like, you know, in terms of right. like wanting to discover something and, and be challenged you know so that's a really good point it's it's rare for someone to say they want to write music and for mm -hmm. that to be on a whim yeah I, yeah. yeah I feel like it should be taken seriously when someone says that no matter what yeah yeah their experiences what but. exactly yeah yeah because it has to do with them wanting to create uh connect with their creative impulses which is like what we should be you know we should be helping people do that I mean, it's yeah. like a humanitarian thing. <laughs> it's like almost. It's like you have, you know, you're realizing this person's like asking you to help guide them through like this thing. And yeah, I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts about like this time period. Um, I don't know anything from mm -hmm. like what you think might happen next or what you want to happen next. I, I struggled a lot um, when the Black Lives Matter. Um, movements started really you know really broke out because i was not able to go to protests because of health concerns and um and i was also sort of just like shutting down during that time in a way um and um really felt like oddly like weirdly confused and pressured and alarmed by all of the things that were going on, like that were being posted on social media and all that, you know, the, the steady flow of that started to feel like it was happening and I was so disconnected from it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, um, and I had to really think about like taxing yourself, you know, when you're already sort of the subject of the upheaval, um, right. taxing yourself further by, you know, um, is not, healthy but also i didn't feel like i was participating either um and it's not that you know it's that we have to part what is the best way for me to participate um and i sort of came to the conclusion um that i i looked at you know looked at what it is i'm applied to, where am i actually like affiliated what organizations am i affiliated with currently and watching um the discussions like within classical music um, actually shift was like, okay, there is an opportunity here that's being presented. And I have a voice and that's been historically hard for me to like speak up. Um, and um, so I thought, you know, this is gonna be a challenge enough as it is like to be in these institutions and also be in a lot of the case the only representative or one of two and feeling like not knowing again that's what i mean about not knowing where your support systems are necessarily until until they like really like show up yeah 
Um, and I, you know, and I did participate in several discussions where I was like, if I don't say anything, nobody's going to say anything. So I'm going to have to say something. Yeah. And that's my role. And I have to just be okay with that. And also, and know that that, that, that work, um, have be optimistic about how that work permeates through the organizations. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the thing that we get is, well, they're not doing enough. They're only doing this, this much. And the organization is not, you know, a lot of, um, sort of, um, impatience, you know, mm -hmm. with the process, which is understandable considering yeah. how urgent, you know, yeah. for our society, it is very urgent that we solve this racism thing and that we all get in tune with it. And we realize we all want it to be done, but that's the thing we have to remember. It's not done. It doesn't get done. Like it's a thing, it's a process. Like, that's why they say practice anti-racism. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to practice anti-racism. You have to look at the things that you do and say and think that are framed by, you know, a white supremacist attitude and history, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and like those things we were talking, like I was saying before, like, and why would I prevent myself from creating more harmonies in my music that's right. ridiculous <laughs> except for that right. i've been trained at one point in my life to think that that was not valid right you know or not not worth exploring or not as not as smart or not as sophisticated right when it turns out jazz harmony is like way it's way, actually way more sophisticated because you're dealing with extensions upon extensions upon extensions and then anyways you know i really had to focus in on like where where am I gonna apply myself and how and in w at what pace? Yeah. And because I you know I have a sort of like diplomatic attitude when it comes to things, mm -hmm. you know. And some people can deal with that, and some people get impatient with it and think it's like a, you know it can look like oh that's not enough you know, but I have to do it my way, you know. It's important to take the time to look at how the system is actually functioning rather than like going in guns blazing, like, you know, I think it's important to look, you know, and to not, and I'm not saying to make like excuses for, for, for behaviors, but if you're going to change something and you're going to change somebody's mind, you have to go like from the inside like that, you know, <laughs> and it right. takes a, a lot, you know, it takes a lot of talking and a lot yeah. of discussion and a lot of explanation you know, and they have and to be open to it. People have to be open to it. And, um, and I have found that people are, that's what's happening is that people are more open. And, and I think what everyone has to realize, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, white, white privilege, white guilt, and all of this stuff and, and, and the, and whose responsibility it is. Um, but I also have to, you know, recognize that the discomfort around talking about race is shared. It's a shared discomfort, no matter what color you are or anything. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it either. But like in order for the conversation to evolve, like everyone has to participate. It, it, it does involve, it does involve some continued work and I think what's important is for you know white people or non non black people to re to look at it and say, I recognize 
that you're putting in this work. And the point is that we're, we can ease that off, you know, as we go on, let's ease that, you know, let's work to ease that back, but we really do need to all be participating in this conversation together. Um, so <laughs> it's, It's a big how, one. Yeah. So how do you know? Well, first off, thank you for sharing all of that. <laughs> sure. Um, and how, so how do you know how to pace yourself with all of mm -hmm. this? Um, I've started to notice certain physical cues in my body. Okay. I've just been starting to try to listen to my body a little more. I have, um, you know, because I do have like an anxious like I was saying, waking up this morning with the, with the like spinning thing up my front. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, I have cues that I'm just starting to pay attention to and it has to do with like, you know, how my, my back feels, how my neck, how my, you know, organs are functioning, like how, you know, just my general physical health, um, has played a lot into it actually, um, to knowing, you know, I'm, um, I might be doing too much of this or too much of that. And I need to just, um, pull back. I've pulled back on, um, on certain, certain kinds of activities and like letting, like, if I don't get a, the response that I want right away from someone to actually wait and let whatever message might have gone out, just be out for a minute and see if the other person catches on or something rather than like trying to force a conversation over and over again. You know, like anything you're practicing, we're practicing, you know, composition, we're practicing anti-racism, we're practicing health, or, you know, it's like, as long as you return to it, mm -hmm. that's what matters, right? So if you have to back off, it's okay, but you like know when and how, you know, when you want to return and and do return, you know. Yeah, and I've been napping more. I follow this really great woman on uh, Instagram. She has a, an Instagram page called The Nap Ministry. I'm a big napper. <laughs> it's about napping as resistance, okay. resistance to capitalism and resistance, you know. Um, it's also like tends to be, she's a black woman, so it tends to be like black focused, but, also, but it's again, universal. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's been great. It's just, she has these little reminders on her thing, like, you know, take a, take a nap. You're not responsible for everyone's like frantic emails right now. Like just right. rest your head for 25, 30 minutes if you need to and come back to it. Yeah. And I, and I also just not, you know, trying to let myself, um, daydream mm -hmm. if I need to and not mm -hmm. feel, try not to feel bad about that. When you are writing, are you able to separate from some of these social pressures? It's a, it's a lot like what we were talking about before, like just sort of cultivating like a, a place for, for play and like the summer camp vibe and, and stuff. And like, as long as I'm doing that, uh, the voices don't, they don't kind they kind of don't have any weight. Um, I'm able to sort of um, let it, pass you know so if listeners want to find you hear your music check you out mm -hmm. where should yeah. they go um they should go you can go to my website which is jessiemontgomery.com instagram jmontgomerymusic 
um, and I'm on Facebook too, but I've been trying to limit my Facebook use lately. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for spending time with me. Of course. Anytime, <laughs> Julia. This is great. I'm so inspired by how Jessie has changed her process during this incredibly tumultuous period and has had the strength to really examine what it is that she wants and what it is that she loves about her craft and about herself and has been able to share that with us. It's an incredible reminder that the creative process is an ongoing discovery that really can last your entire lifetime and change as the world around you changes. I think Jesse's advice to pace ourselves as we engage in these very complicated and difficult conversations surrounding race in this country, um, it's, it's great advice. And to me, I think it's about understanding that these conversations will also be lasting for the rest of our lives and that we need to be prepared to engage in them continually and practice rigorously. And so part of that practice is understanding when you do need to step away and take care of yourself. So thank you, um, Jesse, for joining me today and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Loose Leaf Notebook. I'm Julia Adolph and the music you are hearing is my orchestral work, Dark Sand Sifting Light, performed by the New York Philharmonic with Alan Gilbert conducting. If you'd like to hear some more of my music, you can visit my website at juliaadolph.com or my YouTube channel, which also has video versions of all of these podcasts. Thanks again.